For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The world-famous Superbook Sports is now at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. You can get right in the heart of the action. Catch all of the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. I have been there. It's a fantastic place to watch a game. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. Per usual, we deliver two podcasts a week here for you in Broncos country. Thanks to my son, Dagan, for producing them. That makes the two a week possible. And today's podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of specific issues. Number one, Aaron Rodgers. He's in the world's largest and longest round of golf uh, on Tuesday up in Montana in the match with Bryson DeChambeau versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. I think that is going to turn into an 18-hole four-day event, apparently, to match a PGA Tour. I kid because I care. We're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Did he provide a peak? into his soul, if not his future, with what he said uh, this week before the match. And also, I look at two things that need to happen if the Broncos are going to end their four-year losing streak. They are going to end their five-year playoff drought. But let's get started, shall we? As you all know, Aaron Rodgers has drawn a lot of attention here in the Rocky Mountain region because of the possibility that he could be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. It all came up on draft night. The story broke on ESPN that Aaron Rodgers was unhappy, uh, would welcome a trade among his preferred destinations, according to sources, were the Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, they weren't trading him to San Francisco, which had some interest, and that's where he grew up and where he's from, at least Northern California. But the Broncos... Uh, an area he likes fly fishing. I found that out uh, during the match. I know he's been to Colorado multiple times. Uh, Denver, you look at their defense, you throw Aaron Rodgers on that offense. Of course, they'd be viewed as a contender for me. They'd be right in the mix, not certainly for the Super Bowl, but they'd be a contender. But we've also painted it, at least I have, that it is a slim possibility that they acquire Rodgers. It doesn't mean they can't, and until they're it's off the table. It's a topic of conversation. There's no reason to be a buzzkill about it until it goes away. And it's not going away now because we're in that lull between uh, the end of mandatory minicamp and the start of training camp. Rodgers, for the first time in his career, did not report to OTAs. As you all know, there's uh, no thawing necessarily in the relationship between Rodgers and Packers management. That has set up this idea that could they still trade Aaron Rodgers in training camp, if he decides not to report, 
And would the Broncos be in play? I can tell you the Broncos would have interest. And they should be nimble enough, and they have cap room. But they're not sitting here thinking it's a foregone conclusion they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. It's why they got Teddy Bridgewater. It's why they're prepared to move forward. Uh, because there's no guarantee they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. And here's what he said. Uh, he said a, a few interesting things, beginning with the end of last season when he called his future a beautiful mystery. Uh, then he basically, in his passive-aggressive way, questioned the direction of Packers management, um, saying he didn't have a particular issue with Jordan Love, the person, but didn't like that draft pick, obviously. was not communicated to him that they would take a quarterback when they reached the NFC Championship game two years. They've reached it back-to-back years. Uh, so there's been a frame in that relationship. And so then he talked uh, again about the idea of and the passive aggressiveness of wearing a shirt saying, I'm, uh, uh, I'm offended. Uh, and he said that in one of the pre-golf pressers. So again, that was seemed to be taking a shot at uh, Mark Murphy, the CEO, chairman of the Packers, who had said and called Aaron Rodgers a complicated fella. Uh, interestingly enough, though, in his newsletter that Mark Murphy writes to the stockholders of the Packers, again, they're the only team that is publicly owned. Uh, so that's why people find out about salary cap, TV deals, is because of information that must be provided to stockholders of the Green Bay Packers. In his letter to those stockholders, Mark Murphy had mentioned previously that they were going to try to work it out. And then he had mentioned the idea that uh, Rodgers had divided the fan base. And, and then he had said in a uh, where he was a guest speaker and speaking to an audience that uh, Rodgers was a complicated fellow. Interestingly, he did not sweat anything about Rodgers in this monthly column to Stockholm. That's probably a good plan. But what about what Rodgers said? In his last interview prior to the match, again with he and Bryson DeChambeau, Tom Brady, and Phil Mickelson, he said that he's spending this offseason focusing on his mental health and that maybe not enough time is spent on that topic as it relates you know, specifically to athletes. And he's right. That is, it's only recently where it's been an open conversation. Dak Prescott had mentioned it in the past that everyone assumes just because you make a bunch of money, you must be happy and healthy. And sometimes with more money, more problems, and it does lead to stress and pressure that can cause you to go to a dark place. But Rogers mentioned that he's used this offseason to work on his mental health. And I'm not saying I don't have insight into Rogers. I know people that know him pretty well, but I don't think anyone's had a perfect read on this situation. But when Rodgers said that this week, it to me, again, this is my opinion, it indicated that he's basically saying, I had a moment this offseason. I needed time away from football. I needed to clear my head. I was upset. I'm not denying that. But now I can step back. I'm in a better place mentally uh, with my, you know, looking inward, who I am, kind of what I want to do moving forward. That to me would clear a pathway for him to return to the Packers that I didn't see previously. Because it's been mentioned by myself included that in the past when Rodgers has had relationship issues in his life, there hasn't been a thawing. It's been him moving on. He's been one to dig in his heels. I think he at one point did like making the Packers squirm this offseason, making them uncomfortable. Because he, he had the best revenge last year by winning MVP after they had drafted Jordan Love. I mean, it was the ultimate, let's be honest, middle finger to management. Like, really? That was our greatest need? Drafting my replacement when we went to the NFC Championship game and clearly needed more receivers and more weapons? 
So, and again, I saw that with, uh, frankly, with John Elway and Tommy Maddox back in the day in the 90s. You know, Elway was upset about it. We saw it with Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, that Brady was not thrilled. And it led to the Patriots trading Garoppolo. And I don't know that Brady saw him as a threat as much as like, hey, get this guy out of here. I'm not retiring anytime soon. So my point is with Rodgers, he opened up a new avenue by mentioning that this offseason was about him finding, a, you know, being, taking care of himself. And he went to Hawaii. He hung out. Uh, he did some different things uh, with friends. He, he had mentioned on this broadcast uh, that he went fly fishing in Montana. That he tries to do that every year. And So if, in fact, he just needed to clear his head, does it, as I'm suggesting, perhaps clear a pathway for Aaron Rodgers to go back to the Packers? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you could at least now for the first time since this has really gotten both sides kind of dug in, or at least Rodgers dug in, that he could say, hey, I just needed this time. I needed to get away from it all. I needed to get away from the, the Packers, the football, and all of it. Because he's never said he didn't want to play football, though. Remember that. He's never said that. He's expressed his unhappiness, even if in a passive-aggressive way. But he's never said he didn't want to play football, and he didn't want to play football this year. He obviously did not opt out. No players did on July 2nd, uh, where they could have opted out, which was never going to happen with Rodgers. So, again, it's just something that bears watching. If you're a Broncos fan, and many in Broncos country, it's the first question they ask me. Even I had a uh, friend come over uh, tonight and say, hey, what about Aaron Rodgers? I'm hearing he might come to the Broncos. It just doesn't seem likely. It's not ruled out until it's ruled out. If he chooses to not hold out, if he holds out from training camp and takes the uh, $500,000 fine per day, whatever the heck it is, it's crazy amount of money. It's not for him, but for most people it would be. Takes that fine carries into the middle of August. Will there be a blinking in this stare down of the Packers saying, fine, we're calling your bluff. I think you're going to be back eventually. And we'll be waiting for you because we don't trust Jordan Love to get us back to the playoffs. And they'll call his bluff or they call his bluff and say, we're not trading you. And Rodgers, that's unfortunately that he doesn't have much recourse in that situation. He can't force them to trade him because he's under contract. So my new prediction is it's cleared a path for him to return to play. Maybe he reports in time in training camp. Maybe he doesn't. And then if things still aren't healed, he can ask them, hey, I came back. We mended fences. Uh, we saved the marriage for the kids. Now trade me this offseason. That's my new prediction is that it's opened a door. The door is now clearly slightly ajar for Rodgers to return to the Packers that I did not see uh, as recently as a couple of weeks ago. So Bronco fans, what I'm telling you is you got to brace for the fact that it could actually be Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Covers, whatever you want to call him. Let's call him Teddy Two Gloves and Drew One Sleeve Lock competing for the Broncos starting quarterback job and that one of them could be starting on the opener. Uh, that it might not be, and it's in highly, highly, excuse me, highly unlikely at this point that it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. At least you cannot count on that. So what are two things that need to happen one of those kind of ad-libs. For the Broncos to make the playoffs, blank and blank need to happen for the four-year losing record, five-year playoff drought to end. I will discuss those two things after the break. Remember, my show is sponsored by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. That's their motto. And speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend, Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for the better part of a decade 
I coached his son in youth baseball. Darby and I at those tournaments, we would spend time talking about baseball, plenty of time talking about football. Darby is a huge Broncos fan. We became friends over our conversations about sports. In fact, many of Darby's clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay him up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGIT. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or to find out more, visit their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7, and we are going to discuss two issues. That's where I left you at the break. Two things, then there's plenty of more, but for this conversation and this podcast, in July, three weeks out from training camp, we discussed the issue of what are three things, make that two, two things that need to happen for the Broncos to go to the playoffs. Well, for me, when I look at the issue as we discussed, that it's it just increasingly unlikely that it's Aaron Rodgers uh, that's going to be suddenly joining the Denver Broncos, then the idea is that they could have Teddy Bridgewater, which I give him the slight edge, ever so slight edge, over Drew Locke or Drew Locke starting. So what would need to happen for the Broncos to reach the playoffs in their losing record streak at four seasons? Number one, rush for 2,300 yards. You say, Troy, that seems like a lot. It's not that big of a jump. The Broncos were 13th in rushing last year. 1,918 yards, 4.3 yards to carry. That was 119.9 yards a game. That Again, that average 13th, that was, frankly, their offensive identity. In what was a dreadful season of turnovers, poor quarterback play, the one thing the Broncos offense did pretty well on a regular basis, certainly the second half of the season, was run the football. Remember, for all the flack Melvin Gordon catches, he did average 4.98 yards per carry, almost five yards a carry over the final eight games. You add Javante Williams, the guy's an absolute bowling ball who runs with violent intentions. You add Mike Boone, who can be a nice change of pace back. But in the case of Williams, I mean, I talked to Javante recently. He compares his running style to that of a Nick Chubb a Derrick Henry, a Marshawn Lynch. He loves contact. He told me it's like it's from his days of playing high school linebacker for three years where he was averaging 15 tackles a game. He doesn't shy away from contact. And so can the combination or even that threesome of Gordon, Javante Williams, Boone, gift the Broncos to 2,300 yards? I think that's realistic. I really do. Now the right tackle issue has to be solved. We've said it over and over again. You know, I changed the joke, but I mean, they've had more right tackles than even Kiss has had drummers. Even uh, Kiss has had guitarists since uh, and fronting with uh, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. They've got to get that position solidified. Maybe it's Bobby Massey. Maybe it's uh, Cam Fleming. Maybe it's Calvin Anderson, but they need that position solidified. And Lloyd Cushenberry has to be much improved, significantly improved. Uh, he got ragdolled at the uh, first half of the season, finished much stronger. But he knows this. He's got to be better. And Glasgow, frankly, has got to be better. I mean, for the money they're paying him, and I hate to say like money makes the guy better, but he needs to be better than he played last year. Needs to be healthy and needs to play better. And I think he's got it in him. I think their line can be improved. With You look at Bowles, you look at Reisner, you look at Cushenberry, Glasgow, and let's say Massey. They need to be... Uh, 
a group up front that can get the Broncos in the top 10 rushing. And why is that important? Well, if the quarterback play is not going to be great, and I continue, I'm guilty of it, going back to the idea of, well, if they just get their quarterback play to 15th, middle of the pack, they're going to be fine. Well, we keep saying that, and it hasn't happened. You know, maybe we're looking at this through the wrong lens. Maybe we're looking at it through the wrong way. Uh, because the idea they can have quarterback play that's functional, I don't know. They've had 10 starters since Manning, counting Philip Lindsay and the Wildcat against the Saints last year. Two have a winning record in Trevor Simeon and Brett Rippon. So maybe they can't be really good at quarterback play. Maybe they can't even be a little above mediocre. Because we, I've had delusions of adequacy for them at different times, and it's never panned out, whether that was Case Keenum, a second year of Simeon, um, Joe Flacco. I thought, yeah, maybe he could be 18th, 19th in the league. No. It's been awful. Let's call it what it is. So why is it important that they run the ball well? Well, when you look at the teams uh, in the top running stats last year, Baltimore Ravens led the league. But you go through this list. 13, the Broncos finished 13th in rushing yards per game. Eight of the 12 teams in front of them made the playoffs. And I know it can be a little boring. I'm not saying it can't. But if you can commit to the run and live with the two-yard carries, three-yard carries early in the game, you know, even into the second quarter, it can pay dividends in the second half and in the fourth quarter. Because you loosen them up, especially at altitude, you keep pounding it, and eventually you break through, and it creates a physicality, and it allows your offensive line to develop an identity, and it allows you to win, frankly, without asking your quarterbacks to do too much. Because when the Broncos have done that, they lose. Turn the ball over. But you look at those top rushing teams in front of the Broncos, the top 12, Ravens, Titans, Browns, Patriots, Vikings, Saints, Cardinals, Packers, Eagles, Rams, Colts, Seahawks. Eight of those are playoff teams. Vikings, a team the GM George Payton just came from, they averaged 4.9 yards a carry with Cook, who was just terrific last year, and Boone was on that team. I mean, so maybe that is the scenario, the secret sauce to try to get back to 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, is pound the ball early with Gordon, Use him on third down out of the backfield. Incorporate Javante Williams. Williams has told me, you know, again, it's outside, inside zone, counter. He he knows the schemes. It's just learning to play with confidence at the professional level. Getting him involved. Maybe Boone then's a little bit of a change of pace back. But can that be the way to loosen up the defense, to get your quarterbacks better looks through play action where the receivers are more open? And all, all the one example you can look to, frankly, is the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield through his first couple years and into the first half of last year was essentially Case Keenum statistically. And then the Browns rushing attack, they just absolutely bulldoze people. And in doing so, Baker Mayfield suddenly went to like at one point in the second half, 19 touchdowns and four picks. Incredibly more efficient because he was getting better looks because of the respect shown the running game. And the Broncos, they don't have Nick Chubb. I understand that. So maybe it's not the Browns, but that's an example of how you can take a quarterback who was a turnover machine the previous year, his career kind of teetering, and suddenly he becomes a very good quarterback for a Cleveland team now that's viewed as maybe the third best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs and Bills. Maybe that's the secret. Take the pressure off. 
Don't ask the quarterback to win it and allow these guys up front to take over. Bowles, Reisner, Cushenberry, Glasgow, Massey. Remember those names because if the Broncos go to the playoffs, I'm telling you right now, it's going to start up front on that offensive line and with the Broncos running the ball better. And they have some personnel with Gordon, Javante Williams, Pookie is the nickname he goes by, and Boone, Michael Boone. They have a chance. They have a chance. They have the personnel this year to do it. Gordon's got to get off to a good start. He's in a great place right now. Even his mom, Carmen, admitted he looked slow last year through the hole. I don't disagree. Uh, And the guy I saw at both his football camp recently and in mandatory minicamp, he looks lighter. He just looks like he has a little more bounce to him. And I think he is going, he's playing with an edge because this could be his last year, shapes up to being as possible his last year in Denver. So he's playing for a contract for uh, somewhere. I think that's an advantage. The key with Gordon, can't fumble. He's had the second most fumble since he's entered the league, second only to Zeke Elliott. He's got to, he can't put the ball on the ground. And Javante Williams, he's just got to be who they saw in college. Physical, violent runner, guy who doesn't uh, back down from anyone, plays with confidence, and Boone can give me that change of pace guy. So if the Broncos are going to have a winning record, go to the playoffs, mark it down. One of the things that needs to happen, they need to rush for 2,300 yards. I mean, take it by average. Uh, actually, it would probably be more like 24 because it's a 17-game schedule. But they would need to go from 119.9 yards a game right into that, for me, 130 a game. You know, almost 10 more yards a game to take the pressure off the quarterbacks. So what is the second thing that can happen? And play, believe me, I know there's plenty more things that have to happen for the Broncos to become uh, functional and a playoff team. But the second thing that has to happen if the Broncos are going to be in the conversation for a winning record and a playoff team is they have to have a positive turnover regular season takeaway giveaway, the turnover, the differential in takeaways and giveaways. We talked about this ad nauseum last year because I don't think people realized how bad it was. Last year, the Tennessee Titans led the league in a plus 11 differential between takeaways and giveaways. They had 23 takeaways, and they only gave the ball away twice, uh, 12 times. The worst team in the NFL, Wayne's World, the Denver Broncos, minus 16. They were terrible last year in terms of they had 16 takeaways, and four, uh, four of those came in the last game, so it was meaningless. They had 32 giveaways. Are you crazy? Like, you can't win that way. It's like baseball and pitching with walks. I would say it's the same thing with a pitcher. If you're averaging more than a walk per inning, you're not going to win. Like, it's just too many base runners. You were tempting fate. The Broncos essentially were giving away the ball twice per game. 32 giveaways. So, for me... The second thing that has to happen, other than them to average like 130 yards per game per rushing, is that they have to be a positive differential in the takeaway giveaway margin. Because when you look at the teams that did that last year, the teams that were in the positive, almost every one of these teams made the playoffs. I think the top 12 did. But again, Titans, Colts, Dolphins did not. They were there to the last game of the season. Saints made it. Steelers made it. Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Packers clearly made it. Chiefs dominated again in the Super Bowl. Browns made it with a plus five. Bills plus four. 
They were right in the conversation to be one of the top teams in the AFC again this year. Seahawks made it at plus four. Ravens, good team, not great team, made it plus four. Teams that didn't make it but were still at least competitive and better than the Broncos for long stretches, it felt like anyway, Falcons, Patriots, and Chargers. And the one kind of outlier, the Panthers, with Teddy Bridgewater, mind you. Uh, But they were a plus one. If the Broncos can have a positive turnover margin and rush for 2,300 yards, they have a chance. I'm not promising playoffs, but I'm telling you, when you look at their home schedule, there's no reason they can't win seven games, and they certainly need to win six, given the weakness of that home schedule. And that means you're going to have to beat teams like the Raiders and Chargers at home. You're going to lose to the Chiefs. That's fine. You lose to them every year. Uh, But you need to beat the Raiders and uh, Chargers at home. And then you have a bunch of, you know, again, easy games at that point that paint themselves as very winnable games. But look at it this way. Broncos led the league in giveaways with 32. They only had 16 takeaways. They need to be around 25 takeaways and then giveaways. They need to probably say, let's say they're at 18 or 20 and they're just plus five. Well, plus five is going to put you in the conversation. That's the Ravens. That's the Seahawks. That's the Bills. That at least puts you in the conversation to be a playoff team. And that's something to keep an eye on as we talk so much about the quarterbacks. But let's be honest, it's no guarantee that the quarterbacks are going to figure it out and be top 15. So for the Broncos to reach the playoffs, Winning record, two things I'm telling you need to happen, 2,300 yards rushing on the ground, and a positive differential in takeaway giveaway, ideally around plus four, plus five, that would give them a chance to sneak in to the postseason for the first time since Super Bowl 50. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, this is the Believe in Broncos podcast with your host, that's me. Troy Rink, thank you to my son, Dagan Rink, for always producing these podcasts and turning them around so quickly. Thank you, Broncos country. You're the reason I started doing this podcast, and I will continue to do it. But happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.